Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And once again, welcome to another episode here at the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 187. Absolutely blown away with all the feedback that I've been receiving from last week's episode, specifically the guest. Um, I was average at best, but my guest, Paul Simpson, arguably the greatest amateur in the state of North Carolina. And if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out now. As you know, as I've stated many, many times, every episode is available on the website, thebackoftherange.com. We're in Apple Podcasts, we're in Spotify, and if you can leave a review, that always comes in handy. Now, if you're following on Instagram and Twitter, and why wouldn't you, you saw the big announcement from the Western Golf Association on their channels and on mine. I'll be joining forces with the fine people at the Western Golf Association at the Western Amateur later this summer. One of the biggest amateur tournaments of the year. Definitely one of the most grueling with a stroke play portion and then a match play portion. The biggest names in golf are former Western Amateur champions. That cannot be denied. Woods, Mickelson, Nicholas, Leonard, Curtis Strange. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. There will be much more content coming your way regarding the Western Amateur later this summer. Featured episodes with past champions. You're going to learn a lot about the history of this prestigious championship. For example, how far back does the Western Am go? Well, I'm glad you asked. The first Western Amateur was held in 1899 at the Glenview Club. And believe it or not, that's where the Western Am is being held again this year. Pearson Cootie will be looking to make it two in a row as the defending champion. So again, stay tuned and subscribe. It'll definitely be a fun summer of amateur golf. Doesn't get much better than the Western. So again, thanks to the WGA for the invitation to contribute some content later this year. Lots of the best collegiate players in the country will be playing at the Western, but before we get to the summer, we still have some collegiate golf to play before heading to the national championship at Greyhawk. Later this week, Stanford hosts their home tournament, the Goodwin. Stanford lost Brandon Wu and Isaiah Salinda to the pro ranks after they won the 2019 national championship, and I, I guess they're still the defending champs since there wasn't a championship in 2020. And the Cardinal have reloaded with a trio of freshmen. Jake Bieber-Frankel, Carl Phillips, and this week's guest, the 2018 U.S. Junior Champion, Michael Thorbornson. Awesome conversation with Michael, and again, one of those guests that everyone has been asking for, including my buddy Kai in Costa Rica. We spoke a lot about his start in the game. Michael had an interesting path to Stanford. He spent some time at IMG Academy and then went back to his hometown for his senior year of high school. He's played in the Junior Ryder Cup, Junior President's Cup, even the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And again, for someone that has barely taken a couple classes in college, he's played on some of the largest stages around. So it will be very interesting to see what he, Carl, and the rest of the Stanford Cardinal accomplish in the next few years. Let's get right to this episode. Michael, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Good to good to have you here. You know, I've I've thrown up on Instagram a handful of times. Who do you want to hear from the most? And uh, 
and we, we hear, uh, you know, the, the usual suspects, and, and you and uh, your teammate at Stanford, Mr. Phillips, are at the top of that list. I already had him as a guest on the podcast, so finally glad to have you. And you just told me before we started recording that you are actually on campus now at Stanford University after committing and, and the long time waiting to actually get out there. Tell me about your first few days, weeks of, uh, of time spent on campus. Uh, so, so far, so good. I mean, unfortunately, um, we won't be able to practice or use our uh, facilities until we go through COVID protocol, Sure. which, um, I mean, it kind of sucks, but it has to be done. But I'm just going to use these next few days to really sort out my room and get situated with classes and everything. I mean, does it, I don't know how Stanford operates, but I mean, is it the full like hot tub and, and like, you know, you know, how, how do they work out at Stanford? I mean, this is just like stand, standard dorm rooms or anything. I mean, there's gotta be like track mans in every room and full putting, you know, putting mats and hitting nets. I mean, what do you, what's the setup or is it just standard, you know, college stuff? Um, so we're really lucky to have uh, track man set up across the whole range. Okay. So we don't really need a track man um, by the spot that we're hitting at. We just log in on our phone and uh, we can just hit balls on the range from any part and basically get all the numbers that you would normally get Dear if God. you had a track man right behind you. That's, uh, that's pretty sick. Um, yeah, it's very convenient. Yeah, I, would, I was going to say, uh, yeah, I guess that kind of checks off part of our conversation of how did you decide on Stanford? I guess that's one <laughs> of them. We'll get back to that one. Um, but I, I wanted to, before we talk a little bit about just kind of your start in the game, and, and I know you're, you're native of Wellesley, Massachusetts, and now making the jump all the way across the country to, to California. But before we get into some serious you know, profile stuff, I have to ask, every time my that your name comes up, if I'm speaking too quickly, I will just completely have a train wreck of pronouncing your name. So to have a little bit of fun here, can you think back to the worst pronunciation of your last name in a first T introduction you think you could ever, you've ever had? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> there are way too many of them for okay, me to just, remember. Yeah, then just, just, just pick a crappy one that really sticks out, though. Oh, um, I, I can't even remember. Okay. Like, I've seen everything. They've forgotten different letters they've added their own it's <laughs> it's, it's rather abstract I, i'm just thinking i'm just thinking you know you've played obviously you've played in the u.s open in 2019 you're a you're a usga champion winning the the 2018 u.s junior and i'm thinking okay you know i know you've been on big big stages but at some point you're you have the first team nerves as everyone does no matter where you are right and you're trying to get locked in and some guy just now on the team michael and then there's a pause and you're like oh crap here we go <laughs> Yeah, I've once actually. Now that I'm thinking back on it, I've had um, a first introduction of my first name, and then they just stopped. They, just <laughs> they didn't. They didn't even say my last name. There's actually someone that that is not the first time I've heard that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there is someone that I've had as a guest that had a rough last name, and that's how it was. They just said the first name, and and they just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Um, so uh, again, Wellesley, Massachusetts. Uh, you know, growing up as a kid in Massachusetts, you know, I'm a South Floridian, so I don't have to deal with any of that snow and and terrible weather. Right. But I can't imagine that golf is the easiest sport for a kid to fall in love with when you're limited on the amount of time you can spend because of the weather. How, how did you get hooked into golf, where it has now become something that's taken you to college and 
looks to be like something you want to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. So my parents were very into golf, uh, even before I was born. And so I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and I lived there for, I think four years. Um, and there, that's where I really started playing or just getting into it. We had a net, uh, in our basement and I just go out and play golf with my mom and dad. I mean, I guess I wouldn't really play. I just sit on the golf cart, maybe hit a few here and there, but yeah. So in Massachusetts, um, yeah, I mean, I was just very interested in the game and my dad was my coach at the time or still is my coach. So we kind of looked at it as the winter time is the best time to work on fundamentals and mechanics in the swing. Uh, so when you're hitting into the net, you're just focusing on your form, not really so much of uh, where the ball is going. Sure. So uh, that's what we kind of our mindset was about the whole winter and living in Massachusetts. So uh, in the summer and spring, that's where we'd get to see uh, all of our work pay off, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes sense. And, and, you know, you obviously, you know, all American AJGA and, and have, you know, a lot of uh, accolades on the junior level, but I guess before we, we really talk about the, the big titles and the big, you know, spotlight events that you played in at some point, when does it really become apparent to you and your parents that, okay, this isn't just a hobby. Uh, you're really working hard at this. You know, there's a distinction between, you know, some kids, yeah, you know, they play at the junior level and they see their friends, but then you're kind of, you and you know people like Carl and, and Akshay, and we can go down the line, but there's a different level of, of devotion and work at it. Do you kind of remember when that started? Um. I'd probably say around when I started playing tournaments or maybe a few years after that. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if it, um, yeah, just, I guess from the start, like my mindset about golf or like whatever I do in life is like, you got to do it a hundred percent. You can't sure. like half ass it. So like, I really love golf. I still love golf and, like I'm always going to like work hard at it. So it, it just happens to be something that I'm going to do for the rest of my life, hopefully. And I'm really looking forward to that. And it doesn't hurt that your mom played collegiate golf as well. So it, it does not, that does not. So, um, first time you beat your mom was how old were you? Um, I think I was seven or eight. Oh man, that's just that's just wrong. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, she, she, don't she, ask her. Oh no, I'm I'm just thinking like you know she, you're you're still young enough where you can kind of get you know spanked and knocked around for a little bit of that. So um, yeah, man, seven <laughs> seven. Or, <laughs> that's a rough day for mom. Yeah, nice. she wouldn't talk to me for the rest of the day. Uh-huh. I remember. Oh really? Okay. Well, that's yeah. well, that's good. Well, I guess that teaches you a little bit about competition. Um, so you you play you go to img academy down in bradenton and i guess you know a lot of there's a lot of golf academies that that you know know, young juniors can go to where you really get that focus on instruction and exposure to good facilities while also getting an education and i guess you know from people on the outside looking in they may think oh okay well they just go to a school where they just play golf all day of course they're going to be good they just they hang out at a golf course all day and as long as they can, you know, basically read a menu at McDonald's, yeah, sure, they they can function. 
So that is obviously not the case. Obviously, you know, you're going to Stanford. Um, I don't know a whole lot about that place other than the fact that you can't just show up without being able to make the grades. So right. what what kind of was a typical, maybe a typical week at IMG? Obviously, you know, traveling to tournaments changes things, but what was a typical week there, like a or even a typical day? Like what was your schedule that allowed you to, you know, get to Stanford and, and win on the national level? What was your, your day like there? So every day had structure to it. And, I mean, relatively every day during the week was – about the same. Um, so I had practice or golf or sport in the morning um, and then school in the afternoon. <clears throat> For some sports, it's different. They have school in the morning and then uh, practice in the afternoon. Sure. Um, so I think we started right around 7, 30, 8 o'clock, depending on if we played the course or um, we're just at the facilities. And we'd have time from eight till around 12 o'clock I'd say and at the beginning of those four hours or at the end of the four hours um for one hour we had workout and then um school started at around 115 it changed a little bit year to year sure but uh, around 115 is when school started and then it got out at 545 so classes were, I only had three classes a day, but they were an hour and 20 minutes long each. So it's almost like you're in a high school that is more geared towards what college is going to be like moving forward. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Instead of the, the all day long and by, you know, by two o'clock, you're, you're pretty much, you know, your brain's falling out of your head because you've been sitting in a <laughs> yeah. class the whole time. Right. So it's very high paced, a lot of structure, not a lot of wasted time. Exactly. Um, and then. And then also, I'm guessing this is kind of similar to around the time that that you're kind of getting to know this this Australian kid that that swings over to Florida. So you and Carl are obviously Carl Vilps are going to be teammates at Stanford and know each other very well, playing playing a lot of golf together. And he went to an academy in in Florida as well at Saddlebrook. Right. So I'm guessing that's a right around the time where you realize, okay, there's a little bit of competition around. Uh, I I need to kind of work at this a little bit harder yeah um so carl and i actually met when we were like seven or eight and we became very close uh right around when we were like 11 i'd say so with carl at saddlebrook um only an hour away uh we'd actually go and practice together the weekends before tournaments um just to get some good reps in and good competition play. So we really push the, each other, which is uh, very good and very helpful. Yeah. I think that's something that I, I definitely wanted to hit on that it's, you need that competition. You need the people around you. I mean, I know that you and, you know, we can go down the list of, of the junior class. You guys are all so competitive against each other. And I guess when you get to these big tournaments, yes, it's nice to see your friends, but it seems like you guys are all wired the same way where you just really want to beat each other at all costs. Right. Right. So, um, all right. So you, you went, you were at IMG. And one thing that I just found really interesting is you spend three years there and it's just, it's very helpful with your, uh, you know, matriculation as a, as a amateur and a future collegiate golfer. 
But then you make the decision to come back home to Massachusetts for your senior season, play on the high school golf team, which I think is is great. And <laughs> you, so and this was, and and I'm asking you, you you tell me, was this a kind of a team decision? You know, you and your parents, like, what prompted this, and what was the main reason that you went back? Yeah. So, I mean, with three years at IMG, um, and then four years at in college, I feel like if I had four years at IMG. And then another four years of college, it's pretty demanding golf-wise, especially since IMG is like college, but with a little bit uh, more restrictions. So I felt that, I mean, going home, I had committed to college already. Um, I was having a pretty good junior career, I'd say. And um, I just wanted to be back home with my friends. Like I hadn't seen them or been with them since eighth grade and kind of just wanted to reconnect with them before we all went to college and especially like my family as well. I hadn't seen my little sister in a long time. I hadn't been with my mom and I just kind of was homesick. I feel like at that point. Yeah. Well, and it also, like you said, it, it kind of gives you a unique, well, not a unique, it just kind of gives you a standard, you know, high school experience you know, as, as a senior getting to do all those things that you probably missed out on. What, um, other than, you know, the golf you continued with, but what was the one thing about high school in Massachusetts that you kind of enjoyed over, over IMG just because they're so different? Uh, just how, I mean, flexible everything is. I, I'm not sure if that's the word to use, but just at IMG, everything is so structured that, like you wake up, you go practice, then you come back, shower, go to school, and then your day's basically done. Whereas up home, like I go to school, and then I'd go to the gym after, maybe hang out with some friends, um, hang out with my girlfriend, and then do some homework. It's very lenient and um, just like the ability to do, I guess, whatever I wanted. Right. Well, it uh, also, was kind of nice. Yeah. And it also sounds like that's kind of a smart idea just to kind of take a it's almost like taking a gap year that you know some yeah. people do between high school and college it sounds like you kind of took a gap year where i mean you know that's going to ramp up when you get to stanford so kind of you know you know clear the brain and, and rest the body just for a little bit and just be a normal kid exactly yeah just a nice refresh what um what is the one tournament i, I mean you've played junior rider cup junior president's cup um I mean, you, you've got to basically do just about everything on the junior, uh, you know, the junior stage. What's the one tournament you think you're going to miss the most? Mm. And not just like, I wish I would have won that. I mean, everyone can say that, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's, th- there's tournaments that you didn't win that you wanted to win. But as far as like, man, I'm, I'm never going to be able to go back and do that tournament. It was so much fun. I'd probably have to say the Junior President's Cup. That was the most fun I've had at a tournament. Okay. Uh, just because I'm with all the boys. Um, we're playing overseas at Royal Melbourne, which is just such a treat. Um, and we were hanging out with um, the international team. It was just very friendly, and uh, it was just a great week overall. Like getting to meet some of the pros. Um, yeah, I was just very lucky to be able to be on that team this year. 
and you're spending all this time with guys. Obviously, you want to get to their level, and you know this is 2019. We're looking at. I mean, I'm just taking a little glance at this roster, and I mean, you're going to see a lot of a lot of the guys that uh, were on the U.S. team. You're going to see a lot of them in the collegiate ranks. I mean, you know, Preston Summerhays is going to go to Arizona State. You're going to see him. Claycomb's at Alabama. Maxwell's at OSU. I mean, just and then obviously you and Carl in the same team at Stanford. Then all the guys on the international side that are going to be uh, going to College of the United States. Um, yeah. What What does that sort of a team environment? I guess what kind of opened your eyes more uh, about that experience other than previous experiences that you've had? Because you've done, uh, you know, win, um, I think it's it's you've done Wyndham Cup with AJGA, but you get on this different level where there's crowds and there's opening ceremonies and you're playing, right. you know, what is, I guess, how did that kind of change and help you moving forward as far as, you know, getting ready for college, getting ready for USGA events? No, it definitely helped a lot. I mean, I just remember, um, the gala that we went to, um, I wasn't really too, uh, I don't know much about galas, but when we went there, they actually introduced, um, all the players on the, on the junior team in front of um, the actual uh, president's, president's cup, team. cup team. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I was about to pee my pants on that stage. So you're getting, but, so you're getting up there and then there's just like JT and Dustin Johnson and Tiger. And so this is, yeah. So this is when Tiger was the captain of that team. Yes. Oh, yes, God. he was. Yeah. It was quite the stage. Um, it's just really great because all the other players were all supporting each other. Usually we're playing against each other in right. tournaments. Um, and we're always supportive and we leave everything on the golf course, but out here it's, if you're not doing too well on the course, you have your partner and your whole team and your parents and even your country behind you and supporting you. And just knowing that with golf being an individual sport, it's just nice to have someone there sometimes. Your junior president's cup captain was a guest on this podcast. One of my, uh, really one of my favorite episodes. I, I know I say that all the time, but it really was, uh, Justin Leonard. You gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta have a good story about him. Gotta have a good story about Justin Leonard. Um, let me think. And while you're thinking, I will, I will remind listeners that he is one of four players in history that have won a U.S. amateur and NCAA individual title a players championship, a been on a Walker cup team and won a major championship. It's one of four, him, tiger, Jack, and Phil. Wow. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, He's one of one of four. JL was just such a great captain. I can't really remember anything specific, yep. but he was just always there for us. He wanted what was best for us. And he always made an effort to come and see every single group out there on the course um, really talked to us and I feel like we really got to know him per on a, on a personal level. Cause I feel like, uh, with someone uh, with that status, it's hard to really get to know them, uh, too well, but he made us all feel very comfortable and, um, really like held our hands, uh, throughout that whole week when it came to playing the course and telling us about, um, his time on tour and all the different stories that um, 
he he had yeah yeah i remember i just think it's funny too how he's captaining a, a team of these young guys that are just absolutely just bombers and justin Leonard was not a bomber so yeah <laughs> i'm sure he's giving you guys looks when you're just you know flying at 300 um so one of the highlights obviously of your junior career is winning the 2018 junior u.s junior amateur gets you into the uh to, and, and you beat Akshay in the finals. Anytime we get a chance to give, you know, give shit to Akshay or even Carl, <laughs> we try and do as much as possible. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you get into the U.S. Open in 19 at, at, of all places, it's Pebble Beach. And I think it's important that, you know, people listening, whether it's parents of juniors or, or juniors uh, themselves that are listening, it's all about making these different steps and strides to higher and higher levels. I mean, I'm sure that when you were playing in your first AJG event or your first local junior tournament, you were nervous as hell. And then you get to USGA and there's another level and then you move up the ranks and now you're playing in your first major at, uh, you know, a place like Pebble. Um, you make the cut and that's an incredible achievement what did you kind of set in mind for yourself going into that? I mean, you know, in all realism, you're probably not thinking I'm going to win, but <laughs> how do you set a proper mindset where you're challenging yourself, but also embracing the fact that, Hey, this is new for me. Um, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to feel like when I get there. Right. Um, what I feel, um, what really helped me was the year prior, uh, the 2018 us amateur was played at pebble. Yeah. So that really helped me out that week um, at the U.S. Open, just knowing the course and just being very familiar with it uh, helped a lot. Um, but going into the week, I was thinking, OK, um, you got to make the cut. Like that's that's yeah. the first goal that um, like obviously I want to win. Like that's just that's for another day. But make the cut. And just see what it's like playing with these guys, the best players in the world, and just compare myself to them, see um, where I need to improve. So I was just mostly looking at it as a learning experience. And then, yeah, just happened to make the cut, which was very nice. But unfortunately, I did not have my game that week. I had finals the week prior at um, IMG, and I did not practice a lot before that week. <laughs> Well, okay. The, well, of, of, of all the reasons that, you know, to not have your best week, then yeah, finals got to take care of that. Um, these yeah. are, these are all the, the right answers. And I'm sure when you were there, you're like, all right, you know, Michael, let's, let's, let's play it cool. You know, let's not, yeah. you know, let's, let's, you know, you know, got to play it cool a little bit, you know, let's not go complete fanboy here around all these PGA tour pros, but mm -hmm. I'm guessing if I really pushed you hard, you could, you could at least, remember a time that was slightly embarrassing or where you let yourself be a little bit of a fan because what you're 17 18 at the time i mean hell yeah i was 17 yeah. right so you got to be a little bit of a fan and just be a kid a little bit so was there a time where you're like all right the hell with this i'm gonna go up and talk to someone i i know i should be working at trying to get ready for this but look i'm inside the ropes i gotta i gotta do something right um there were definitely a few times that that happened but i'm not sure if i actually built up enough courage to go and talk to someone. Okay. But I remember my locker there was in the back corner and just around the, just around the corner was Tiger's locker. Uh -huh. And there was one time where I'm at my locker and 
Tiger's in the PT area and he's coming from PT to go to his locker and uh-huh. I'm in his way and I'm like, oh shit, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm blocking the greatest golfer of all time. Like I got to get out of here. Uh-huh. So I, I, I make, I open up a path for him. I'm like, Hey Tiger, like you gotta say hi. Cause you have to, you get, you have to. And, um, he said hi back kind of, uh, had a big smile the rest of the day. Um, but yeah, that was just that's something very small, but it's just pretty cool because I mean they're all normal guys, but yeah. I was just in the locker room and I see JT's locker was right just to the right of mine. Yep. And I saw him there uh when I was getting ready for one of my rounds and it's just pretty cool no, seeing them. Yeah, you have to you have I mean, you have to do that. I mean that's yeah, you're gonna play in many more majors, but you're not gonna have an experience like that ever again where you're playing as the US junior champion. So you gotta do that. Um right. what did you learn about that week as far as like, you know, and I guess this is something that you know, for people that are watching US opens and they're looking at amateurs, whether it's, you know, like John Pock, you know, being the low am at mm-hmm. at, at this year's US Open or you know, whether it's Victor or Brandon Wu and, you know, we can go down the list, but it's going to, the answer is going to be different for them than it is for you. But what was kind of like your takeaway from that? Was it like, wow, I'm way off. I'm further away than I expected. Or you're like, you know, I can kind of hang with these guys. Like, was there anything that you really kind of took away from Pebble Beach? Definitely after that week or even after the first two days, I felt that obviously these guys are better than me right now. Yeah. But being able to make the cut um, kind of says something in itself because if you can make cuts out on tour, that's – I'm not going to say good enough, but that shows that you can compete and you can play. And yeah. considering I didn't have my best game that week and my swing was collapsing and or whatever, uh, just a huge confidence boost because um, just – I'm not that close, but I'm within the same ballpark. Right. You didn't you didn't walk away from it saying, Oh my God, I'm I'm not <laughs> even on their planet. Yeah. 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 Ending your junior career, I, I wanted to actually ask you one thing about AJGA. I know you, you won several titles there, all American, but one thing I, I noticed or I remember is that you were, I believe, the kind of like the equivalent of what the PJ Tour has with their player advisory council. You were, I think, is it called player advocate or player advisor? What was that title you had when you were at the? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was the player rep. Player rep. Um, yeah, I can't remember what year. I think it was my junior year um, there. Yeah, so we had three meetings uh, throughout the year with uh, the board of directors, which was pretty cool. So for people that, uh, like I said, you know, parents that are listening or juniors that are listening, what is maybe one thing that you, what maybe something that you learned about junior golf during your time playing AJJ events that maybe you wish you knew in the, in, you know, when you came in or something that you can maybe pass along to junior golfers that are, you know, trying to get to that level where they're playing in whether it's a you know a U.S. junior or an AG, AJGA event, you know they're trying to get to college just like you did. What's maybe something that you've learned about junior golf that you can kind of pass on to to kids younger than you? Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of things, but uh, one that comes to mind is, I mean, obviously, each and every tournament that you play in, you got to try your best and put in max maximum effort. 
But if you don't do too well, if you don't play too well or you don't finish the way you want to, just remember 10 years from now, no one's going to ever remember how well you played on that round or right. in that tournament. It's irrelevant at that point. So you just remember that everything is a part of the path and the steps to get to where you want to be, whether it's college golf or um, playing on the PGA Tour. Just remember it's it's a marathon and that there are going to be ups and downs and you just got to persevere. Well said. That is uh, that's perfect. So you're you're moving on to Stanford. You're there on campus right now, and obviously you mentioned about the nice practice facilities. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the typical Top Golf by any means. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't think it's any earth shattering revelation here. Is that you want to someday play in the PGA Tour, and your decision to go to Stanford? I mean, tremendous program. You know, Coach Conrad Ray. You know, you guys are actually still the defending national champions at the time because you know no championship in 2020 so you guys still have the title right now um i've talked to brandon Wu, i've talked to isaiah salinda henry shimp i've talked to to several people who have played at stanford i mean great program but you really got to get the grades in fact one of highlights of seeing uh, my highlight of uh, one of my highlights of the usam at bandon was seeing you in the lobby at the clubhouse doing homework for five hours after losing <laughs> losing a match i mean you have to get the grades how much did that factor into your decision of like, okay, you know, do I want all of this in a college experience? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, golf, obviously I love it and I want to be on the PGA tour and um, play for the rest of my life. But God forbid if something happens, cause you never know what could um, just the Stanford education, like Stanford is top five top three if not the best school in the nation or the world and just having a degree to fall back on and the connections here it's just i i can't see no other way yeah i uh, i remember brandon and isaiah telling me what their major was and i wasn't even smart enough to really understand what the major <laughs> i couldn't even understand that now you're i think you're undeclared but is there something you're leaning towards right now it's really up for grabs but I really find um, economics rather interesting. I took an econ class last year, my senior year, and um, as well as over the summer, and I just really feel like it fits well with me. I think Carl is undeclared too, but if he's not going into like social media marketing or something, then, I mean, he should be actually teaching that class. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we took a communications class last quarter together. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know all this. I've been on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on YouTube since I was seven. Let me teach you guys something. Last time I saw you, obviously saw you at the Merido Amateur. We've, I think, I've talked ad nauseum about that tournament. That was just the absolute frozen tundra of Dallas, Texas, yeah. for a week. So we can skip on past that one. But um, <laughs> you know, this this another great experience is uh, Walker Cup practice session. I mean, they're in with right. basically sixteen of the best guys uh, vying for you know one of the ten spots on the team. A lot of these guys already have existing collegiate relationships. You know, I think, gosh, there must have been, I think, between, you know, Cole Hammer and Cootie and Dossie, and uh, there's probably six guys from the Big 12. And I think you're the youngest player that was invited. Um, this is a different step, something new. What can you really put that whole experience to? Uh, I mean, how do you classify that experience? So those four days, I had an amazing time. I, it was 
pretty nerve wracking at first. Okay. Just because it's, it's kind of weird the position I was in because let's just go back to say the junior president's cup. I'm a senior there. I've known the other guys for at least three years now and just very comfortable with everyone. Uh, But now we move on to Walker cup practice and I'm the youngest one there. And I've only met two or three of the other guys from junior golf. Right. And um, I don't know. I've seen all of them play well in different tournaments and know who all of them are. And I just, I was a little nervous out there just, I don't know, trying to get to know the guys because they've known each other for so long, but um, it only took a day or two to really feel a part of the the group. Now, now, not that I'm rooting against you, but I'm thinking if you're the youngest one there, I'm really, well, I don't want to say rooting against you, but I'm I'm hoping that as you being the youngest person there, I'm hoping that you were getting a little bit of, you know, a little bit of razzing from some of the older people, like, you know, the, yeah. so like maybe the 30-year-olds and the 40-year-olds, like, you know, uh, Quade Cummins and, and, and Stuart Hagestad. So please tell me there is a little bit of ribbing that they give you. Yeah, um, that was also something I was afraid of. <laughs> 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 that, that was why I was nervous. Um, I don't know, just playing on the course with the different matches, like after, um, the practice had concluded, we went out for another nine holes to play scramble. Yeah. And, uh, that was, I can, I just think back to that and how I, I need to hit a straight drive or else we're going to lose the hole. Or <laughs> I remember on hole 16, we had all, uh, 16 guys there on the tee box and we moved up. It's a par five. We moved up to the ladies tees and it ended up being, I think 325 yards to the pin, like 310 yards to carry the water. Uh And I'm debating whether or not I want to hit driver. And I look back. So there's the red team and the blue team and everyone's yelling at me, hit driver, hit iron. And I'm just, I don't know what to do. (laughs) The red team's obviously telling me to hit driver so I get in the water. Right. And then half of my teammates are telling me to hit driver as well. But then, no, I don't know. I ended up choosing an iron just so no one would yell at me. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I guess you kind of have to do that. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing I enjoyed just seeing that one experience or just for that one day that I was there, I really enjoyed the the fact that you guys got to get a tour of Mr. Palmer's office and – yeah, just learning the history. How much did you really know about Walker Cup? I mean, I, I I assume that it's on everyone's radar and everyone knows the history, but I'm much older than a lot of you guys, and I've just been around it a little bit longer. So, you know, is I mean, obviously you want to make the team that goes without saying, but is uh, is it something you've kind of had your eye on, or is it still? Are you still maybe just you know a little too young in the game to really understand a lot about Walker Cup? Yeah, I mean. I got invited to the practice two years ago, um, but I couldn't go because of uh, midterms. Man, oh, this talking school, about this I, school stuff. IMG is, is always <laughs> IMG is really yeah. Um, to all the people that say we don't do school at IMG, I've <laughs> <laughs> I've had some mishaps with uh, with tournaments and stuff because of it. Man. But anyway, um, man, I, I just lost track. No, you're of, just uh, saying how uh, you were talking about just like knowing Walker Cup and and just having, oh yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so I, I knew about Walker Cup a few years ago, but I didn't really know all the history up until um, a few weeks ago when we went to Bay Hill. And that's when it really hit me that this is a really, really big deal. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of pushes me to work harder and um, practice harder just because that's such an important and amazing group to be a part of and just being able to compete again with um, your teammates from across the country and representing your country is something that I love doing. Yeah. Well, getting that taste of uh, doing it, the junior Ryder cup and junior president's cup uh, seems like it's a, it's a natural fit. Um, unfortunately with the pack, uh, with the pack 12, you, you guys are kind of in kind of a holding pattern, I guess a little bit with, with your collegiate golf. So uh, I think we've spoken previously where you have a couple tournaments on the schedule, but you know, we're, we're recording this at the end of January, so we're not going to get into too many specifics because, you know, things change on a daily and a weekly basis right now. Um, but you know, what, uh, what do you look forward to for the, the spring schedule? Um, I mean, guys are still the defending national champions. So how are, how are you trying to prepare yourself for this spring? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, with all of us, um, soon to be on campus, um, I mean, we're all here We're we've all been so ready to compete. Um, the guys that were on the team last year that couldn't compete are really itching, um, to play again, as well as Carl, uh, Jake and I were incoming freshmen. This is what we've been waiting for. Um, I think we're all just really excited and pushing each other because it's coming so soon and we want to be ready to do well. Well, I will let you uh, get out of here on this final question. We haven't really talked and, and made fun of uh, Carl Phillips enough. So we need to, kind of get, <laughs> we need to finish off the episode with that. And, you know, he was unable to play in the USAM at band of dunes uh, last year, but, uh, right. but he was there as your caddy. Now, I mean, his wagger at the time and Mace at the time was is higher than yours. I mean, obviously, Carl's a very accomplished player and he's he's on the bag. So you're thinking, man, you know, Michael just has the benefit of, you know, one of the, you know, most uh, intelligent amateurs in the country and he's on his team. Um, but there has to be and you know what I'm going for here. There has to be some sort of a bonehead caddy moment that Carl made where you had to say, Come on, man. It's 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 addition. It's well. It's we're going to Stanford. We got to get addition subtraction yeah. figured out. So let's throw Carl under the bus. He can handle it. What what? Give me a good time when Carl was just not not on the same page. For the first few days, he was pretty on his game, but I think he started to slack off a little bit towards <laughs> the end. Um, yeah, I mean, just that's why I lost uh, oh, that. Here it is. Yeah, Break, I'm just, I'm bre kidding. Breaking news. Uh, finally, I, I, I get all the dirt on this podcast. I lost because of Carl. That's the headline <laughs> of this episode. Yeah. He was telling me to hit my putts harder, hit my putts softer. And then <laughs> next thing you know, I have four, three putts racking up uh -huh. on the round. That's not so good. yeah, no, but Carl, Carl was a great caddy. He helped me out a lot trying to, uh, just uh, calculate all the factors out there with the wind and uh, temperature as well as like how far the ball is going to roll out and everything. And I mean, I'm, 
a really big field player and just him being there with um uh, like all the analytics just making sure everything adds up correctly yeah was de- definitely a lot of help i mean there was a couple of times here and there but when when is there ever oh yeah yeah. Not yeah. Just gonna be issues. Yeah, I I also I found that you guys seem to really pair up well together, and you know, on on paper or just as an outside looking in, you're thinking, of course that's gonna work out. But it's not just about like it doesn't matter how well Carl is or how well Carl hits the ball. It's how well he communicates to you so that you're comfortable with hitting the shot. So, right. Yeah. Fortunately, like um, for Carl and I, like what we realized during that week was. Carl draws it up like he said he knows what shot to play and where to miss it all this he knows everything but sometimes he says he can't like hit the shot that the shot demands whereas like on my part he was saying that he tells me where to hit it I just hit it I don't have to do any of the thinking right that's a good way to have it well Michael this was uh this was a treat this was long awaited but I'm glad we're able to get this uh get you on here to the back of the range um, I know it's probably not the uh, typical start to a collegiate career, not the one that you're probably dreaming of for the last few years uh, getting ready for Stanford. But as with everything, we're going to get through this pandemic and you'll have a, a normal collegiate golf career uh, to, to get to uh, as, as soon as possible. Um, I will see you down the road, my friend. Appreciate you stopping by and uh, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, thanks again for having me, Ben. And there you have it. Special thanks to Michael Thorbornson for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, leave a review in Apple Podcast. Follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want merch, go to the website, thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the back of the range.